Hello and welcome to Ask the Regulator. I'm Gemma and I'm delighted to welcome you to another episode of our podcast. Today I have a treat for you as I'm joined by officers from the Vale of Glamorgan Council, Mark Ellis and Mark Faulkner, to share with us their experience of the launch of the Penarth Food Pod and the challenges and successes they've experienced with this fantastic project. I'll then be asking today's regulator, Rosie Bomford, one of our environmental health officers, for her advice and top tips for community groups and events involving food. I'll start with the two marks, if I may. Firstly, welcome to the Ask the Regulator podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today to talk about such an important project within the community. Can you both start by just introducing yourselves and explaining your roles within the Vale of Glamorgan Council? Okay, Gemma, yeah, afternoon. Um, My name's Mark Ellis, and I'm a community investment and involvement officer with the Vale of Glamorgan Council. Um, I've been with the Vale for about 12 years now, uh, but this project, the Food Pod project, is the first of its kind that I've done within my role. Um, My role is uh, to do with community projects, so specifically setting up community projects such as food pods, community gardens, etc., for our tenants to get them involved and to get them activated, really, and, and participating in their community. Uh, my name is Mark Faulkner. I am the Digital Engagement and Volunteering Officer. Uh, so with this project, uh, there's a lot of volunteers involved. So it's about supporting them, making sure that they uh, feel valued and respected within their roles. Uh, I've been doing it for about a year, um, and I also deal with the the time banking scheme. So this is a sort of recognition scheme within the Vale, uh, which volunteers can access, and the the volunteers at the Food Pod can access that. Brilliant and. Speaking of food pods, can you explain what a food pod is and where is the food pod located? Where can we find it? Uh, So the food pod um, is a pay-as-you-can-afford shop. So we get donations or we we pay towards Fair Share who provide us with some of our food and we get donations from other areas. Um, And it means that people in the local area can access affordable food. It also uh, combats food waste. So we have... um, the, the food from Fair Share, for example, is sometimes close to date, which means that we're reducing the, the food waste that's going out. Uh, and even in, in as far as if we have any sort of green vegetables, the uh, the food waste at the end of the day, if it's going to go out by the end of the day, we take that to a tortoise sanctuary in Sully. So um, it does cover a lot of a lot of bases. Uh, it's in St Luke's Avenue in Penarth, uh, so very convenient for anyone who sort of lives in, in that area of Penarth to get across to. Fabulous. And how did the idea for creating the food pod come about? Well, back in uh, lockdown, the first lockdown, we did a number of uh, welfare checks, daily welfare checks and weekly welfare checks on our tenants. And we were finding, you know, a lot of the tenants were struggling both mentally, financially. um, And we had a food, um, sorry, not a food pod, but we had a building in St. Luke's Avenue, which wasn't being used. So as we came out out of lockdown, um, we came up with the idea of, of, of having a food pod situated there. And what I did is we looked at and talked with um, people in the in the area, such as the Land Romney Food Pantry, just to give us an idea of how it worked there, what we could do, how we could set it up, and using people uh, of expertise, such as the Shared Regulatory Service, to get it up and running. Um, so what we did, we talked with our, with our managers, uh, we put the idea forward, um, then we looked at a sort of creating a vision of how we would get it started, who we'd need to speak to. And this is when myself and Mark um, set up kind of the, 
the idea of getting it up and running for, for summer of 2021. Uh, we were given about five weeks notice to get it up and running, which was um, a bit of a challenge to say the least, uh, but we did our best and we got it up and running uh, in August 2021. Um, and obviously the rest is history. So what we did, we, we discussed with um, local community organisations and, and all the kind of community investment and, and involvement that needs to get a, a project up and running. So was the time scale the biggest challenge that you faced with this project, Mark? I think uh, the, the, there were a lot of challenges. One of them was the time scale, and that wasn't just from you know getting the... Uh, it wasn't really a problem for SRS, who were really good with uh, supporting us and, and helping us get it set up, but uh, more with our partners, for example, Fair Share needed two weeks worth of uh, fridge checks before they give us some food, so that was a bit of a challenge. Obviously, understanding the new paperwork was a, a, a bit of a challenge for us. We've never worked in, or certainly not for a long time, worked in sort of food uh, distribution and food sales, so having that is a bit of a, an issue because we haven't ever really had to deal with the, the paperwork side of things, but we had a lot of support uh, in, in getting that, that set up. Um, but really, the, the, it's been a bit of a challenge in terms of just getting things off the ground and learning all these new things, but the support from the community, support from other organisations has made it uh, bearable. We've had a lot of support from um, you know the people who delivered the new pod, so we were previously set up in an existing structure and we had a new pod. So you know dealing with people like building services as well, uh, that's also a challenge, but in reality it's it's just good to see it up and working. Um, what are the biggest challenges we faced was obviously getting volunteers on board um, and not only getting volunteers on board but getting qualified volunteers on board and this is where the shared regulatory services really came into their own by helping us um, find out the information about the courses, setting up the courses, then we're getting people on the courses and past uh, getting their qualifications and certificates and that really helped with kind of the momentum of going in for a launch back in August and having volunteers who were basically ready to hit the ground running so to speak fabulous and if any of our listeners do want to find out more about the training courses and support that we do offer all of that information is on our website which is srs.wales so when did you officially open the the food pod and what are the opening hours for the food pod now okay so the first time round, like i said we used um, our old pod so we opened that with all obviously the the regulatory um, services on offer in August 2021. We then um, obtained funding from Welsh Government to create our own bespoke food pod, um, which gave us about three months to get that up and running. So working with a local company called Modex, um, they built the bespoke uh, food pod. We gave them directions of what we wanted to do, which also included a community growing garden. Uh, and then we officially launched the new food pod in December 2021. We weren't able to kind of get Welsh Government representation until March because of lockdown. But then we had the formal opening, which was uh, the beginning of March, which the Minister for Social Justice, Jane Hurt, opened. And obviously we've got local community involved all our partners that have been working on the project so the local supermarkets such as Morrison's, Asda's, Tesco's who we contacted through their community champions, uh, Greg's, Fair Share, um, people from our building services, local community champions such as the Beavers 
Escoladeri, Victoria Primary School, Sully Primary School, Tabernacle Church, Redland Sheltered Housing Scheme and the Salvation Army. So there was a lot of people behind the scenes helping make this happen. Yes, I came to the launch myself and it was fantastic, I have to say. You've done a very, very good job there, guys. And what has the feedback been like from the community so far? Really positive. Um, obviously, initially, um, people were, um, I'll say wary, but they were you know, cautious about coming to use the food pod. They weren't sure how it worked. The pay-as-you-can basis, the stigma attached with, with coming along. But after that, when people found out, you know, the super friendly volunteers, the staff who are really welcoming to help people, Councillor Liz Burnett, Councillor Mark Wilson, they're on a, on a Friday as well to help people, to give them information, advice, guidance and support. So the feedback from them after a few weeks was great and obviously the word of mouth is the biggest form of advertising you can give and then people are telling people, especially on the estate and beyond, you know, kind of what the food pod was about, how it worked. And then we just found that the footfall kind of increased. Obviously, we then had to increase our fair share amount because we the supply and demand. But um, not only just that, from community organisations, from local businesses as well, who were willing to help out. Um, and also people, you know, giving individual donations and schools getting on board. So we had Victoria Primary School who designed the logo, Sully Primary School who had donated their harvest um, donation. So all these kind of add-ons just helped you know, kind of create a really good atmosphere. And for us as officers, it was a really nice form of um, community engagement to start getting to know our tenants on a more informal basis rather than telling, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. More kind of a friend-to-friend -friend basis and helping them out. So we used the information pod for surgeries such as money advice, external organisations using the information pod. So creating a really nice vibe um, along with the kind of external area, you know, making that a bit nicer with the planting, with the community growing. So all in all, you know, kind of the positive feedback has been has been great, and it's been really good for um, project to be involved in. And um, do you have any advice for organisations, other departments, or community groups that might be considering doing something similar, and also for anyone thinking of getting involved with the volunteering at a project like the Food Pod? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing I'd say is there are, you know, we're not the only people doing this this model, so it's really important that you reach out to people who are doing something similar to sort of find out where they where they come up against stumbling blocks and best practice. So, uh, for example, there's Big Box Boyd and Caddock's Corner, um, which are linked to schools, um, and so it's about linking with those people. I would say, obviously, at the earliest opportunity, reach out if you're in the local area to SRS uh, to make sure that you're covering the basis of the. Um, the the, the regulatory side which is really important because it's about keeping people safe whilst providing them with this food um, and yeah so it's just about uh, being prepared to come up against things that you didn't expect you know there's areas that you know that allergy control for example where things new bits of legislation are coming out so it's being prepared for those uh, but yeah it's really just about talking to people finding out a bit more and finding out what the community wants as well from from what they're doing um, just to come back to a little bit from earlier uh, the food pod is open on uh, Mondays and Fridays 2 till 4 uh, and Wednesdays 3.30 till 5.30 so those people who are working can come along uh, so yes so we're, we're very welcoming in Penarth um, if people want to come along and just chat to us or you know make donations or come and shop you know it's welcome to everyone it's pairs you can afford for anyone so regardless of your means turn up and we're, we're, we're there to uh, to greet you with open arms
Yeah, and also, um, you know, part of the, the food pod is, is part of our Clean Slate program. So this is a two-year project designed to make um, St. Luke's and St. Paul's more connected, cleaner, greener and healthier. So it's all kind of interlinked with that and we're, we're working on that. We're about one year into that project as well. So it's really good to have the food pod kind of as part of that process of um, encouraging people to make their estate a better place to live. Fantastic. Thank you so much both for sharing your experiences with us. The Panath Food Pod is a fantastic project and congratulations to you both and also to all of the people that you've mentioned um, and I'm sure many others as well that have been involved in its success so far. Many of our listeners may be involved with or have ideas of their own for community projects within their areas involving food. So before I ask Rosie for her advice about those areas, let's do our regulatory roundup. We've recently seen some large recalls in the food sector due to possible salmonella issues, such as the recall of certain chicken products across numerous national supermarkets and food retailers, and the Kinder recall by Ferrero. But do you know where to go to find out information about product recalls? For food recalls, you can visit the Food Standards Agency's website, You can also visit the Chartered Trading Standards Institute's website as their product recalls and safety page gives information about product safety recalls as well as the food recall notices. Their page also provides links to recall notices from the European Safety Gate and those are rapid recall notices for non-food items and details about the .gov.uk page where you can find your vehicle recall notices. Whilst we're on the topic of safety, earlier this year in April 2022, the Personal Protective Equipment or PPE at work regulations were amended to extend employers' responsibilities to provide PPE to more casual workers. Previously, the requirements only extended to workers who had traditional contracts of employment. But the amendment regulations now extend those duties to workers with more casual relationships, often under things like a contract for a service. So make sure you're aware of these changes if they apply to your business. And finally, I wanted to draw your attention to some of the issues that the Wales Illegal Money Lending Unit have been raising awareness of and to ask for your help. Earlier, we heard from the two marks about some of the challenges that communities had been facing in relation to affording the cost of food. A recent press release from the Illegal Money Lending Unit highlights how the cost of living crisis is putting financial pressure on lots of people within our communities, making them more susceptible to being targeted by loan sharks or illegal money lenders. Many of you may work with members of our community and may become aware of such issues. If you do have any concerns, you can report them to the team anonymously on 0300 123 3311. You can find out more information about the signs to look out for on our website, along with more information about all of the matters mentioned today. And our website is srs.wales. So, with the bank holiday coming up, many of you may well be involved with community events involving food. So, I wanted to ask Rosie for her top tips and advice. Hi Rosie, and welcome back. It's lovely to see you. Hi Gemma, thanks for having me. So, when we talk about community food, what do we mean? We could be talking about a lot of different activities. Um, For example, we could be talking about luncheon clubs, food provision for the homeless people, um, playgroup snacks, food banks, fates, fundraisers, street parties, breaking bread with others and sharing food outside the home setting is really what we're talking about. 
food supplied, sold or provided outside the family or domestic setting is subject to retained European food law and it must be safe to eat. This is regardless of whether the operation is supplying or selling food and it's doing so to make a profit. So a lot of activities are covered by that definition of community food and the priority of course as you mentioned there is to ensure that all food being served is safe. So what is your top recommendation for community groups to help them do this within their community settings? A great route to safe food is through food safety training. Food safety training is readily available and your local food safety team should be able to point you in the right direction for something appropriate for what you do. Any person overseeing the food activity should have done a formal food hygiene training course to ensure they understand what they need to do to deliver safe food. Others can learn from them informally, but anyone handling open foods should also receive formal training. In addition, our food safety team have some good advice leaflets to help you. And if you are involved in making food for a community event, as many of our listeners may well be doing this bank holiday, do you have any top tips for them? So on top of great hand washing and all the other good food safety practices you'd learn about on a course, food must not be injurious to health and therefore people with food intolerances or allergies should be considered. Labelling food accurately is key to ensuring that people with allergies or intolerances can make safe choices. If you're making food for people and you will not necessarily be there to tell people what is in the food, it's very helpful if you can provide the ingredient information with the food. This means that if you bake a cake, you could supply a copy of the ingredients from the recipe with any substitution information, for example if you swap the butter for margarine, just say so and list the ingredients of the margarine. If you're making a round of sandwiches, you might need to provide the ingredient information of the bread, any spreads and the fillings. Snapping a photo of the ingredients on any packets is a fast and accurate way of doing this. A social media group or something similar can be an effective way of sharing the information accurately and quickly and you might have already set one up for organising the event. Some great tips there. And a question we do get asked a lot, Rosie, is... Are community food projects required to register with their local authority? Are you able to provide any general guidance on this question? Some activities may require registration with a local authority. When a food business is registered, it will be visited by an inspector who gives advice and may issue a food hygiene rating. These are the green and black stickers that we see on food businesses. To determine if a community food activity requires registration, a great starting point is to consider how often the activity occurs and whether the food provided is high risk. So, for example, if you think of an activity which involves open food and happens more than on 12 occasions in the year, then it's likely to require registration. This means school fates or jubilee parties don't need to be registered because they're one-offs. However, some activities that provide food more than 12 times a year will also not require registration due to them supplying low-risk foods. So we could think about small food banks open one or two hours a day that only provide food that does not require a fridge or a freezer, or community groups that provide tea and biscuits to their members. The Panath Food Pod have fridges containing chilled food, which are high risk. They're also open every week, so this makes them need to be registered. 
as you might have gathered, it's not exactly straightforward to determine. So it really is the best thing to do is to ask your food safety team if your food activity needs registration to make sure that you comply with food law. Even if your activity does not need registration, the information you might receive may be very helpful and supportive. And finally, where can people go to find out more information generally about this topic and find the access to the leaflets you mentioned earlier? So the Food Standards Agency has a great web page. They've got lots of information about making safe community food using good hygiene practices such as managing shelf life, the four C's, we call them this, as this is cleaning, chilling, cooking and avoiding cross-contamination. As we talked a moment ago, SRS has leaflets for preparing party or event food um, on the website, but you can also get in touch by calling 0300 123 6696 or making use of the e-form on the srs.wales webpage. Fabulous. Thanks, Rosie. And thank you so much to both of the Marks for joining me today to discuss the importance of safe food projects within our communities. As we've heard, these projects can make a real difference to people's lives. One of the many roles we undertake within shared regulatory services is to work with and support such projects to ensure they are safe for the public to use and comply with the laws that are there to ensure that food is safe. If you're not sure whether any of today's advice affects a project you were involved with, please do get in touch. And finally, does your business have excellent customer service skills and trade in a legal, honest and fair way? If so, you could become a Trading Standards Approved Business as part of our Buy With Confidence scheme. We'll be talking about how you can stand out from the crowd by joining our scheme on the next episode of Ask The Regulator. Ask The Regulator is brought to you by Shared Regulatory Services and produced by Bro Radio.